0: well good morning everyone welcome to the jar we're so glad that you are here this morning Uh, and uh, if you are a middle school student and you would like to be a part of our middle school experience um, at the door uh, in the back uh, Don uh, Richmond is there so it's 6th 7th 8th Uh, if you're interested in being a part of that experience uh, you can go right back there and uh, they will be meeting in the large exercise room And then after that, uh, parents can pick them up there as well. So uh, just make sure you pick them up. Don't leave them there, okay? Just let you know that. All right. Uh, Also, uh, today, uh, if you would, I'd like you to pull out uh, this little card that's up on the side screen. It's called our Connect card. And so if you could pull that out. Uh, that would be helpful. If you could fill that out, you can either fill out this card or you can also uh, do it online. Uh, that would be great as well. Um, when you walked into in your program, all of you received this. This is actually an invitation to actually invite somebody next week, okay? So don't just throw this away. Actually think about who could you invite uh, to this root series uh, that we're uh, beginning uh, today. And so if you could do that that would be great. Well, uh, today we are beginning a new uh, series called uh, The Story of My Life, and we're going to be looking particularly at a story of Ruth. Everyone here has a story. Uh, All of us have a story, and it matters, and it counts. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at the story of Ruth and the impact her story uh, made both during that time And in the Bible. It's a really cool story. So I'd like to dive in this morning and just tell you a little bit about the family of Ruth. Uh, First of all, let me tell you about the parents. Um, The dad was a guy by the name of Elimelech. And uh, this particular guy uh, is a person who you may forget his name. So they actually wrote a song about him. And uh, the song goes like this. Alimelech, 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 in the jungle. Okay, all right. Now, you may not remember, but that's how you say his name. Okay, pretty close. And then he had a wife whose name was Naomi. And the two of them, uh, so Elimelech and Naomi, they have two boys, and those two boys are Malan and Killian. And so, uh, if you're pregnant or you're looking for names for kids, uh, I talk to jar kids, no one has that name. So, uh, you know, like uh, you could be the first to do that. So, there's Elimelech, there's Naomi, there's Malan, there's Killian, they're all one happy family of four, and they're living in Bethlehem. Now, there is another story about Bethlehem, who was born in Bethlehem? Good, that's. Some of you look hesitant uh, on that. Okay, so Jesus was born there, and uh, so they're living there, and everything's going well, but then all of a sudden, things turn, and it gets really, really bad. A famine comes, and there's no food in Bethlehem, and Elimelech is left with the decision. If I stay here with my family, more than likely, we're going to starve to death. And he didn't want to leave his homeland, just like, uh, once you find your own home, you don't want to leave it. You, you like where you live. But he realizes he's got to live, and so uh, he has to move to another country just for economic survival. And so he packs up uh, his wife and his two uh, boys, and they all head to a place called Moab. Now, Moab is a godless place. Um, there is worship of a god that is only about Sexual perversion. And so this particular God is an idol-worship God, and everyone in Moab is godless except for this one God where there is this sexual perversion. And the government is very, very corrupt. And Elimelech did not want to go there, but he had no choice. Now let me ask you this question this morning. Why do families risk their lives to cross borders to other countries? Because they want protection or they want a a sense of they're starving and they need hope or they need another opportunity. And there's some kind of calamity that's going on in their particular world and they'll do anything to be able to get to a safe place. So Elimelech, he doesn't want to move, but he really is left with no choice. So they move to this place called Moab, and they actually stay there for 10 years. And after they stay for 10 years, um, the two boys uh, find a couple little honeys, and uh, they get married. And they get married to these two women, one named Ruth, which we'll talk about over the next few weeks, and the other named Orpah. Now, just a little side note, Oprah Winfrey... Was actually named after this Bible character, Opa, but the problem was that they spelled it wrong on her birth certificate. So we came with Oprah. So I called Chicago headquarters at uh, Oprah Winfrey this week, and I said, Hey, you know, we're giving you a little bit of publicity for you know all of your shows and stuff. You know, can you help us out? And she said, Absolutely. And so every single one of you are going to get a brand new car today. <laughs> If you'll look underneath your seat, there are some keys there for it. Some of you are tempted to look, aren't you? Huh? Still true, right? All right. Now, uh, another thing happens uh, in this 10 year period, and it's really, really sad. Elimelech dies, and Naomi now no longer has her husband. But then things get even worse. Both of the sons, they die too. So now, you have these three widows, and their hearts are broken, and in that particular culture, women were considered second-class citizens, so there was this real sense that they, they had no one to care for them, and it was a very violent world. And so, these tough times come, and they're grieving. They are grieving in ways that um, maybe some of you are grieving today. Maybe the reality is you've lost a loved one recently. And you're grieving that loss. And uh, we here at the JAR don't want people to grieve alone. And so in your program today, there is actually a little insert called Grief Share. And this is where we get to uh, help you get into a support group so you don't get stuck in your grief. So if you uh, have lost a loved one recently and you're struggling with that, don't stay stuck in your grief. Um, come to this, be a part of this, allow this to bring some healing. Uh, they start tomorrow night at 6 o'clock, and then if nights don't work, on Tuesdays at 2, uh, they'll be able to do that as well. And I'm telling you, uh, if you do this, it could change your life. Now, for some of you, you're like, you know what, I haven't lost a loved one, but you have a coworker, or a neighbor or a friend, somebody that you know is struggling, and if you know that person, invite them. Don't just throw this away. Actually, invite them to come and to be a part of that. That might be the greatest gift you would give to them. Well, in the midst of all of this grieving that's going on with these three women, Naomi finally decides, you know what? We're actually going to move back to Bethlehem because she heard word that the famine had ended. They no longer had uh, this loss of food and so they could come back. And so she decides that she's going to go back to where her family and her friends are at and that she would be received by them. And she turns to her two daughter-in-laws and she just tells them, hey, I'm heading back to Bethlehem. If you want to join me, it's fine. If you don't, I realize we're in Moab right now. This is where you're from. Your family, your friends, you can stay here if you want to. I totally understand it. But Naomi begins a path towards Bethlehem, but she also begins a path towards something called bitterness. To a bitterness in her life. So Orpah actually says, um, actually, you know what? I've been thinking about starting a television show, and uh, I think it's, you know, going to kind of work, and so we're going to stay here and do that. I'm not going to leave Moab. But Ruth thinks about it, and she decides, you know what? I'm going to go with Naomi because I don't want her to be alone, and I love my mother-in-law. Now, think about that. How many of you love your mother-in-law? Don't raise? No? No, that's all, right. all right. How many don't love your? No, don't. Don't, don't, don't do that. Okay. But anyway, so she does this. And there's this real sense of Ruth and Naomi now. They're, they're on this adventure together. And it's this sense that we see in chapter 1, and we'll talk about it the next few weeks, is that Ruth almost is symbolic of a God who is pursuing us constantly, even when we're going through difficult times. So uh, Ruth says these beautiful words will so come up on the side screen. Let's read this out loud together. So Ruth says this to her mother-in-law, Naomi. Let's say it out loud. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. She's ready for a change. She's only known about idol worship her whole life. That, uh, These idol gods who did nothing for her. And she's thinking to herself, I want to support my mother-in-law. And maybe, just maybe, I would finally meet the one true God. So the the two of them take off and they begin this adventure to Bethlehem. Well, they finally arrive in Bethlehem. And Naomi's friends and family, they rush out to see her. And then they have this moment where they go... And they go, are you... Naomi? And it was translated kind of like this. You look terrible, girl. You look bad. You need some work. You need a tuck here. You need a tuck there. You need some Botox like up in your face. Something needs to change. And Naomi responds, you don't even know the half of it. And then she goes on to tell them what has happened. And she says, in fact, my life is so horrible right now. Don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara. And Mara means bitter. Just call me bitter because I'm a bitter person. I'm bitter. And she goes on to tell the relatives what has happened in her life. And she said, I am bitter towards God. I'm bitter towards my family. I'm bitter towards life. I lost my husband. I lost my kids. Now I'm in this foreign land and things are bitter. And that's what my life has been like. Folks, Naomi was in a bitter season. I just want to ask you this morning, have you ever been there before? Have you ever been in a season where it just felt like you're bitter towards God for the circumstances in your life, whether they were ones that didn't happen on your behalf or you caused them? You're bitter towards the people around you. You're just kind of bitter in life. Well, this is where Naomi is. And in chapter 1, verse 20, um, it says this. She comes to them and she says, Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has has made my life very what? Bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. And this truth about bitterness leads us to our big idea this morning. And it's this, bitterness can't change your past, but it can cripple your future. Bitterness can't change your past, but it can cripple your future. And that's the whole theme of Naomi's life, it's just filled with bitterness. And we need to be careful that we don't start going down that road ourselves, because sometimes you can land in the land of bitterness and you can stay there for a very long season. Now the question becomes, who do people tend to become bitter toward? Well, I think there are a couple of different main examples of as human beings who we become bitter toward. The first one is we become bitter towards God. And that's exactly what we find with Naomi. Her circumstances of life happen this way and she becomes bitter toward God. She blames him for her past. We just read that passage of Scripture. The Lord afflicted me. The Lord brought misfortune upon me. In fact, in verse 13, Naomi says this. The Lord himself has raised his fist against me. Think about that. She's so bitter. She's like, God has caused this to me. He's raised his fist to me. Now, I just want to be very, very clear about something. We're going to tell you something right now, is that sometimes the Bible is not true. And you know why the Bible is not true? Because Naomi is not true in this statement. The Lord never raises his fist towards us. The greatest image that we ever have of love is one in which Jesus goes to a cross and he doesn't raise a fist. He actually opens up his hands and he embraces us to care for us. And when you're going through something in life, and some of you are, some of you are struggling with some really difficult stuff, either circumstances that were caused by somebody else or circumstances that you caused yourself, and you're going through something, God doesn't have a fist that he's holding down. He has open arms to care and love and to bring you into his presence. The problem is that sometimes we look at our circumstances and we don't look to God and there is a sense that we blame Him. And when we blame God, bitterness surfaces. Now today, let me just say this, that if you are on the blame God track, you know, you're kind of saying, well, God did this, or this is happening to me, God, why don't you step in, or my circumstances stink right now, God, and you don't seem to care. God, when are you going to show up? Well, if you're on the blame God track, uh, and you're bitter towards God, the only thing I need to, to tell you this morning is this. Get off that track. Get off that track because it doesn't work. You won't get anywhere on that one. I mean, the, the way you deal with God is you always deal with God by simply telling Him the truth of what you're going through. In fact, Scripture says this. You must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. Folks, you and I were often tempted when circumstances come into our life to drift away from God and to take our focus off of God and to focus only on the circumstances. And when storms hit our lives, our circumstances are the thing that we tend to become overwhelmed by. And we're tempted to blame God for whatever that is and then to drift away. And each time we drift, each time we drift, and we blame him, maybe for a divorce that we go through or a disobedient child that we're struggling with or the death of a loved one in our life, it changes the whole game. Folks, I just want to say this this morning, God is either good or he's not good. He can't create both. And Scripture is very, very clear that God does not produce evil or bad stuff. Because of His heart, because of His love, because of the essence of who He is, His heart is always filled with goodness. And I think for some of you this morning, you need this next Scripture verse. Let's look at it. It's in Psalm 73. Let's read it out loud together. No doubt about it, God is good, but I nearly missed it, missed seeing his goodness. I was looking the other way. How many times in life are we simply looking the other way and God's trying to give us something good, but we're just not looking in the direction because we're so focused on the circumstances that we're going through in the moment? You know, there have been times in my life in which storms hit and it's difficult and the circumstances and everything just really, really stinks in my life. But I've had to be able to come to the point where I say, but God, you're still good. This thing that I'm going through, it's not good. This situation that I've caused or has just happened to me, it's not good, but God, you're good. I don't understand these circumstances I'm going through, but when I read your word... I know that you're not done in my life. And I know that just like Ruth, it was just the beginning of a process of getting her connected to God. And Naomi just could not see it, even though she was the God follower and Ruth wasn't. You finally just have to hold on to the fact that, God, I think that you really do want what is best for me. And this all begins, folks, when we simply open ourselves up and we say, God, here's my heart. Here's really what I'm feeling in my guts. I'm angry right now. I'm upset. Any of those things that you need to share, God's big enough to handle it. But the problem is, is that at some point, you can't live in bitterness forever. The land of bitterness will eat you up, and we'll talk about it here in a second. And so you have to realize, finally, that there is the goodness of God. And you remember the big idea that bitterness can't change the past, but it can cripple your future. Folks, today for some of you, maybe you've been a little bit adrift, and you need to drift back into God. Maybe you've been blaming him, maybe you've been kind of bitter toward him, maybe you fake it around everybody else, but the reality is you feel that, and today might be a day where you need to make a new commitment. And right after this celebration, uh, we're actually going to have a baptism class that I'm going to be teaching. And maybe you've never been baptized before, you've never made that commitment, but today's the day where you're, you're like, you know what, I'm tired of living this path. I need something new. I need something fresh. God, I need you in my life. I, I want to give my life to you because I think you can handle my life better than I can. And so right after here, we'll have lunch. Childcare is provided. Um, it'll take about an hour. Uh, everyone will be done by about 1.30. But today, if you've never done that, you might say, yeah, today's my day. The second kind of group that we tend to uh, kind of be bitter toward uh, are other people, other people. I've been studying uh, Ruth over the past couple of months and uh, one of the things that came to my mind is I wonder if Naomi actually kind of became bitter towards her husband who had died and the two sons that died. Because one of the things that I've realized in dealing with people when they're going through death and grief is that often we become bitter towards those people who have left us because now we're all alone. I was talking to a friend of mine uh, yesterday. He recently lost his wife, and uh, he came to my house, and we were talking with each other. And um, he said, you know, I'm angry kind of at her right now because I feel like, you know, she's left me and I'm all alone. And he said, I found a neighbor who's right beside me now, and he's 101 years old, my neighbor is. And his wife has already died, and he's buried most of his kids, and there's no one around. He's outlived all of his friends. And he said, I look at him, and he's so bitter, and I just think to myself, I just don't want to get that far. And so I wonder sometimes, maybe part of Naomi's bitterness was not only towards God, but now she's all alone. I think part of her bitterness also was potentially, I wonder if it was towards her two daughter-in-laws. You kind of have this uh, perspective in which she's kind of like, hey, I'm going back to my own home. Would you guys just stay here because I can't deal with it anymore? All of our husbands are dead. There's no reason to go. Orpah, you're the smart one. Just stay right here. But get out of my hair. And yet, Ruth doesn't do that. She pursues Naomi just like God pursues us, even when we drift away and we don't want a relationship with him. Let me just ask you this morning, straight up. Are you bitter towards anyone? Are you carrying any bitterness towards somebody? Maybe it's someone from your past. Maybe your father, maybe your mother, maybe a child, maybe an ex-spouse, maybe an ex-friend. Maybe you came from an abusive background, and if someone has authentically hurt you, I want you to know it's okay to pass the blame to that person. It's true. If they abuse you in some way, it's their fault. I mean, it'd be stupid as a human being just to kind of like shrug that off and go, oh, well, I'll just move on. Because if you do that, you deny the pain that that person actually caused you. But let me be very clear on this. Blame and bitterness is not the finish line. Blame and bitterness is never the finish line when you're going through a hurt. If you stop there, I guarantee that the flow of God's Spirit will not penetrate into your life, and you will be crippled for your future, guaranteed. So whether the person hurt you intentionally or not, the only way for you to get out of bitterness is to get into a betterness season, a blessed season. And the way you do that, folks, the only way you can do that is you have to forgive. Now, whenever possible, you let people know that they hurt you. One of the worst things that people can do sometimes is give cheap forgiveness to someone who hurt them very badly and not tell them exactly why you hurt me. Because we can continue on with destructive behaviors in our families and in our relationships if we're not very clear on why it is I'm forgiving you. But regardless of how you respond to that, you have to eventually move to the process of forgiveness. And Jesus understood this. And this is what he said. If you forgive others for the wrongs they do to you, your Father in Heaven will forgive you. But if you don't forgive others, your Father will... What's the next word? What is it? Not forgive you. The key to forgiveness in your life, your mess-ups, your screw-ups, your flub-ups, is your willingness to forgive the people who have wronged you. Now, let me be clear. To forgive does not mean to forget. Uh, people say that all the time. I just forget about it. Like, serious, dude? I'm human. When, when someone has hurt me, I, I can't forget what that pain has been like. But to forgive means that I let that person off the hook and I let the offense go. And you can't do this on your own. If you could, we'd have forgiveness going around all the time. But we don't. Because we need a power that's greater than our own. We need the power of God to forgive others. But when you do forgive, there's this freedom that comes. And we get away from a season of bitterness. And we enter into a season of blessedness. Because you know, the greatest prison in the world, folks, is not Pendleton Reformatory. It is not San Quentin. It is not Alcatraz. But the greatest prison in the world is unforgiveness. One of my favorite quotes on forgiveness comes from Lewis Smedes, an amazing Christian author and writer, and he says this, The first and often the only person to be healed by forgiveness is the person who does the forgiveness. When we genuinely forgive, we set a prisoner free and then discover the prisoner we set free was Friends, when you choose to forgive, and it is a choice, there is only one person that receives that gift, and that's the other person. But if you choose not to, the person that you will hurt every single time is not that other person, but it's you. So if you want healing today, you have to stop blaming and stop being bitter, and you start forgiving. Again, it doesn't mean that you forget, what they did to you, but you choose no longer to be a prisoner of bitterness or resentment. Now some of you might be asking, but why? Like, why do I have to do this, Chris? Why? Why do I have to overcome uh, bitterness and forgive? I mean, God has let me down. Other people have let me down. Why do I have to forgive when they hurt me? Well, the first reason that comes to mind is this. Because God is not bitter at you. He actually... Forgives you. God, again, does not have this fist over your head. He's not bitter towards you. He actually forgives you. We just read Jesus said these words, The Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Folks, if you've experienced like this incredible amount of forgiveness, a truckload of sin that you and I have and we receive this forgiveness, why then would I be bitter? I should realize that I'm so blessed by being forgiven by God that I want to extend that to anyone and everyone else. Romans 2.4 says this, Don't you realize how kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Or don't you care? Can't you see how kind he has been in giving your time to turn from sin? In other words, folks, if God has given me Something that I don't deserve. Because the reality is, this is what we deserve for our sin. Because any sin goes against the perfection of God. So this is what we deserve. Anger, justice, retribution. But God says, no, 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 I won't give that to you. I'm going to give you grace and forgiveness. And if God gives that to us, then why would we keep it from someone else? You know, folks, when I'm reminded of how much I've been forgiven by God, what it actually does when I'm connected with God and I realize how much he's forgiven me, it makes it so much easier for me to forgive other people. Because this is the truth. You and I will never have to forgive anybody compared to how much God has forgiven you. You'll never have to forgive another person, even close to how much God Has forgiven me. But you say, yeah, but they owe me. I mean, Chris, you don't know what they've done to me. Because of what they did, my parents, they owe me. Those kids at school who bullied me, they owe me. My brother, he owes me. My sister, she owes me. That old boyfriend, that girlfriend, that spouse that cheated on me. They owe me. That friend, they owe me. And if I let them off the hook, Chris, it wouldn't be fair. They must pay. And Paul, a guy who was forgiven so much, he killed Christians. That's what his job was before he came to Christ. He writes these words. Get rid of all, what's it How much bitterness again? Does that mean like all of it? (laughs) Yeah. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of malicious behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. You see, folks, we owed God. And aren't you glad that God wasn't fair? We owe God this truckload. Chris Bunch has so much sin from his past, present, and will be in his future. So messed up, it's a truckload. And I'm so glad God wasn't fair. He gave us His grace. He gave us His Son, who took on that debt. you and I have racked up. But there's still just something in our flesh. I don't know what it is, but there's something in our flesh. When we've been hurt, our human nature is to raise our ugly head and be like, but I want something that's actually beyond justice. I want something that is beyond justice. And we cry out for retribution, revenge. We have this vengeance. Uh, You can see it in movie theaters. You're sitting in a movie theater and The bad guy you know is there, and everyone's like, man, he's not dead yet. We want him to die by the end of this movie. And all of a sudden, he dies, and it's almost like everyone's like, yes! And it's hard to teach that to kids, isn't it? Everything that's always, everything's not fair. And I'm so grateful to God that it's not that way. All right, uh... Let's make it a little lighter. Some of you are getting a little bit overwhelmed, I can tell, so uh, let's put a picture up here. Anybody know who this is? Carrie Underwood, Underwood, right? Everybody loves Carrie, you know, and she's a Christian. I've I've, uh, read about her and her husband this week, and uh, they started their whole relationship by reading the book, The Purpose Driven Life, and they read it on off days. He's a hockey player, and they have all of this commitment to Christ in church. She does gospel songs, all kinds of stuff. And my wife and I, uh, we've really enjoyed getting to know her. And she's just country, and she's nice and kind and love, And, you know, it's just, it's just great. And uh, one of my favorite songs of hers is, um, you know, Jesus Take the Will. And a uh, time in my life when I've heard that song, it really helps me know, hey, Jesus, he can take this will. I don't have to do that. But a few years ago, she actually wrote a song that was top on the charts, and uh, the song was Before He Cheats. Anybody aware of this song? All right. Well, let me give you just the lyrics, not all of them, just a little. I dug my key into the side of his pretty little souped-up four-wheel drive. I carved my name into his leather seat. I took a Louisville slugger to both headlights. I slashed a hole in all four of his tires. Maybe next time he'll think before he what? Geez, some of you are singing it, aren't you? You're like, oh man, that's my number one song. And you know, you can just experience you just can imagine you're at a Carrie Underwood uh, you know, concert and people got their lighters on, they're like, Yeah, get that Louisville slugger out, get him back, you know? You got all these people that are up there. Because there's just something in us that's like, yes, yes. They deserve what they're going to get. And I'm going to get something beyond justice. Now, let me tell you, folks, it's just a lie. Because bitterness cannot change your past. But it can definitely cripple your future. Here's the second reason why we must overcome bitterness and forgive. is because bitterness is... Stupid. Like we don't use that word in our house. We try to tell the girls, you know, you should never use that. But in this case, I was thinking about it. bitterness is stupid. Look at what it says in Job five two. To be bitter kills the foolish person. Honestly put, bitterness is stupid. And sometimes it causes us to do stupid things. It's irrational, it's unhealthy, it's unproductive. Did I say already that it's stupid to be bitter? Job chapter 18 verse 4 says this, You are only hurting who? Yourself with your anger. You're all stewed up and you're spewed up and you're mad because something they did to you last week or last month or last year or five years or 20 years or however long it's been, and they've actually forgotten about it. Maybe they've actually already died. But you're angry and you're bitter and you're resentful towards whoever that is. Listen, bitterness can't change your past. It can't change that person. It only hurts you. This past week I was looking at some health studies surrounding bitterness, and it was very clear that bitterness and resentment can change a person's personality And destroy a person's health. Bitter people, the study that I read, actually get sick more and they stay sick more. Because unresolved bitterness affects your health. It's true, folks. It's not so much what you eat, but what eats you that kills you. It's not so much what you eat. We all need to eat healthy, okay? Heck, I'm married to a doctor. She's on my case all the time, you know? I mean, but I'm just telling you, it's not so much what you eat, but what eats you that kills you. And I've watched way too many people when I've been at their hospital bed and they die of cancer or they die of a heart attack or they die of something else. But you know what? The reality is that disease did not kill them. You know what ultimately killed them? It was bitterness. And far too many people I've seen go to their grave with bitter hearts. Look at what Job 21 says. Some people stay healthy till the day they die. They die happy and at ease. Others have no happiness at all. They live and they die with what? Bitter hearts. Folks, bitterness, I'm just telling you, it's a bad option. It's a bad option. Now, the question is, how do I extend forgiveness towards someone who I have been bitter toward? How do I do that? So this week, practically, how could you do that this week? Well, first of all, which uh, may seem obvious, but it isn't most of the time, is that we invite God to be involved. Whatever the hurt is, whatever we're going through, we actually invite God to be involved. The situation with Naomi could have been so different had she actually reached out to God first, rather than just focusing on her horrible circumstances. But she didn't. She was lucky that she had Ruth there beside her to kind of help her see that, hey, we can get through this. And she turned her bitterness, and it affected her life. Folks, when you've been hurt, the most important thing that you can do, whether it's you feel like you've been hurt by God or other people, is that you simply invite God into the hurt. You pull out a pen and a piece of paper, and you're just as honest with God as you can be, and you write down, God, I've got this bitterness, I've got this resentment, this circumstance that's going on in my life, and I'm struggling with it, but God, I don't want to keep living this way. I really do want to change. I ask you right now to please bring to mind anyone and everyone that I'm being bitter towards, and you begin to start asking him, God, would you give me those names? The second thing you do is you actually write out a list of people you need to forgive. When we first tell, uh, started Celebrate Recovery, um, Chuck Mock, who runs it, and myself uh, did uh, the step study together. Uh, there were, we were the two most messed up people in the church, so we figured we had to get healthy first. So we had to actually write down a whole list of all the things that we were going to make amends for. That people who we had hurt, people who had hurt us, whatever it was, we were going to make it right. So we write down all of these names, and we get to this list of names, and we write it all down. And all of a sudden, we both started realizing that we were hanging on to some things that were simply punishing ourselves. We were actually bitter towards ourselves because of some of the stuff that we had done. So this week, if you start making this list of names that you're bitter toward, I'm telling you, make sure myself is on the list. Because there's some of you that you've just beaten yourself up so much for the things that have happened in your past that you finally have to say, you know what, I can forgive myself. And forgiving yourself and embracing the truth of God through Jesus Christ is a powerful gift And God says, hey, I forgive you. Why not forgive yourself? Jesus said this one time, that those who really realize that they have been forgiven much, they love much. In other words, people who find it hard to forgive, the reality is they've never experienced much forgiveness in their own life. And over the next few weeks, when we look at Ruth. One of the things that we'll find again and again, this mother-in-law that was all bitter, and that was pretty much so much of the theme in that chapter 1, it takes a turn as Ruth opens herself up to the things of God and wanting to be led by Him. Finally, one more thing. You forgive them. You actually make the commitment to forgive them. You release them to God and say, Father, I forgive them. I will not hold bitterness or a grudge toward them anymore. And then you take a next step, if it's safe to do. It's not always safe in every relationship. But you take the next step, and face-to-face, you actually forgive that person. And if it's not safe to do it face-to-face, then you pick up the phone and you call the person. If that's not going to work, you actually then just write out a letter And you mail it to them. Now, this is what you should not do. Don't text them, Hey, by the way, I'm forgiving you for being such a big jerk. That won't help. And you don't go on Facebook and go, Oh, I found Jesus this week at the jar. And I just want to know, This list of people, I have forgiven you. You know, If you do that, say you go to another church. You know what I mean? And you don't go to Twitter. You don't tweet something out. You don't put a Facebook or an Instagram out there that this is what they look like before but I've forgiven them now, you know. Folks, forgiveness has to be personal because the hurt was personal. I'd like to throw up these words here. What do you notice the difference between these two words? The one has a what? One has an I and the other one has a E. This is what I found about bitterness. Bitterness always about is about I want to be right. I deserve justice. I this. I that. I the other thing, and it becomes bitter. You just become bitter. So I want to ask you this morning: Are you getting more bitter? Or are you getting more better? Because I'm telling you, one letter, folks, will take you to a totally different place. In this chapter in Ruth, luckily for Naomi, and Naomi's the God follower. She was the one that was in Bethlehem, remember? With her husband and two sons and... She's the one that's following God. Luckily, she had this non godlike person named Ruth who lived in Moab, but she was open to things of God, whatever God would want to do, that she realized, let's not be bitter. God can take care of this. Let's go forward. And Ruth chooses not only for bitterness not to consume her life, but to better her life by actually seeking out the one true God. And she sought out God, and God blessed her life. Circumstances for both of these women, pretty identical, right? Both their husbands die. One chooses a path to bitterness. The other one chooses a path to get better. So, here's kind of our closing today. What about you? Are you becoming more bitter in your life? Or are you becoming better? Folks, the reality is there is hurt all in this world gym today. We've all been hurt. We've all been wounded. We've all had things happen to our lives. We've all been betrayed by someone. Many of you have experienced much more pain than I have in my life. I know your stories. I know what you've experienced, but I'm just here to tell you today, bitterness is not the answer. It's just not the answer. And so what I'd like to do is to give you a moment right now just between you and God to simply ask him a few questions and to see what he would tell you. The first question is this. God, is there any bitterness in me? Who have I become bitter toward? And then finally, God, who do I need to forgive? So let's get still just for a moment and let God speak to us for a moment. And then whatever he tells us, that we would obey, and then I'll close us in prayer. So if you would just close your eyes after you look at these questions a little bit and just ask God, God, is there any bitterness in me? Who have I become bitter toward? Who do I... God, thank you so much for your patience with us and forgiving us no matter what. Thank you that you are never disgusted with those dark places in our life, but that you always welcome us with open arms, not with a fist. Thank you for your mercy and thank you for your constant forgiveness. Father, we don't want to be bitter people we really do want to get better and so regardless of what has happened in our past God help us to remember that bitterness can't change it. God give us your strength and this week God help us to forgive anyone who we've been carrying bitterness toward so we can ultimately experience your freedom Now, maybe today for some of you who are here, you're actually, you're bitter toward God. Some stuff has happened in your life, horrible circumstances, maybe things that you caused or other people have caused you. And you have blamed God. And you've kind of become bitter toward him maybe today you're just like, I'm tired of this, I'm just tired of being tired. And so you want to stop the bitterness because you realize that bitterness will not change your past, but it will only cripple you today and tomorrow. So maybe today you would just say, God, I don't want to be bitter anymore. I want to get better. And I know the only way that I can do that is by allowing Jesus Christ to be at the center of my life. I'm ready to, to give you control of things and receive your forgiveness. I mean, if you've never given your life to Him, maybe today's the day where you need to settle it because you don't want to die with a bitter heart. Because none of us are guaranteed tomorrow or next week or next month. And again, you just don't want to go into that next life without having the freedom that God wants to give you now. And so today, if you're ready to turn your life over to the God who loves you and who made you and who longs to see transformation in your life, if you're ready to believe and surrender and say, yes, today's the day. If you're ready to say, I need his forgiveness. I need his good plan for my life. I need him to take these burdens off of me. I don't want to be bitter anymore. I want the assurance of heaven. I invite you to pray this prayer after me. And I invite everyone to just kind of repeat this prayer after me. We don't, we don't pray alone here at the jar. We pray together in community. And so if you would, just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your gift of forgiveness. Remove my bitterness. Jesus, forgive me. Make me new. I believe you died and rose again so I could live with you. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, serve you, and follow you the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And let's give a hand to everybody who said that prayer for the first time. Welcome to the kingdom of God.
1: Well, if you did pray that prayer this morning, we just want to congratulate you and welcome you to the family and just talk to you maybe a little bit more about it, maybe if you need some more prayer. Uh, We do have a table here in the back corner, and Chuck is back there, and would love to talk to you a little bit more about that. Well, earlier, um, Chris talked about the connect card. And if you did pray that prayer, there is a box on the back that you can check. Um, we just want to, again, not bother you or spam you, but uh, maybe get to know you a little bit more. If you, fill, if you did fill out that connect card or if you did accept Christ and check that mo- uh, box on the back, we're going to have the um, greeters come forward here in just a few moments and you can drop that card into the offering bag. And here at the jar. We don't want you to feel like because you're visiting here today that you have to give, but we want you to give freely out of your hearts as Christ has given to us. So if I could have the greeters come forward, we're going to go ahead and do that this morning. Again, go ahead and drop that Connect card in the bag and um, just give freely of your hearts today. Let's pray. Dear Holy Father, I just pray that you would bless this offering today that you would bless those who give so freely to you. We thank you for everything that you've given to us, and we pray that you just multiply it and use it for our church and our community, and just be with us this week. In your name we pray, amen. If you are new today, maybe this is the first time you've been here, or maybe you've been coming for a couple weeks, um, we have the guest connections table there by that white light in the corner, Bronson has his hand raised, and he'd love for you to stop by, say hello, and we've got a gift for you just to welcome you here to the JAR this morning. One of the things that we love to do here at the JAR is serve our community, so we do have Serve Fest coming up. And that is going to be here. It is the second Saturday, this Saturday at 10 a.m. It only takes a few moments of your time. So if you'd like to join us this Saturday at 10 a.m., you can get signed up on the app or get signed up at the resource table. It only takes an hour of your time, and it really is just a fun way for the JAR to come together and give back to our community. And we do do that the second Saturday of each month. Mark your calendars for Saturday, August 11th. We do have a family game night that's going to be happening from 5 to 9. It's free, and we're going to be having child care for ages 3 and under. There's going to be lots of different games and pizza. There's also a Facebook event on the JAR page, so make sure that um, you check that out if you'd like to learn a, bit, learn a little bit more, and that is going to be at the JAR office on Main Street. Well, at this time, I'd like to invite our prayer team to come forward. If there's anything that you need prayer for and you just want them to uh, pray for you and your upcoming week, feel free to uh, come up and have those folks pray for you.
0: Okay, let's stand. Folks, bitterness uh, can't change your past, but it can cripple your future. And so this week, my challenge is that you pull aside just ten minutes where you invite God in and you say, God, is there anyone that I'm bitter toward? And you write down who those names are. And then you actually um, think of a way that you could actually practice forgiveness with that person. And um, if you're interested in baptism, right after this, we're going to be in the large exercise room. Uh, just go down the hallway to the left. Lunch is provided. childcare is provided. Uh, would love to see you there. Um, If you can help us with teardown, that'd be great. Just pick up a chair, go over, help take anything down. And uh, as always, know that you're loved in this place. Thanks, everybody. Have a good week.